your business exposes who you are. You and I both know it's going to grow to the extent that you do. If you're still in the habit and the pattern of who you were as a teenager or an early young adult, that's going to show up in the way that not only you do business, the way you do your taxes, the way you advocate for yourself, the way you overreach with clients, how you delegate, <laughs> how you build teams. It all is a cyclical effect that trickles down. This is Brand Story, a podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leaders, marketers, and brand storytellers about their professional journey and the impact they're making on the world around them. Welcome to the Brand Story Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gilman, and my guest today is Jamal Marshall. Jamal is a certified counselor and the founder of Listen Then Speak, a consultancy that helps managers and leaders learn skills they need to cope with burnout, codependency, and people-pleasing. Jamal is also the host of an excellent podcast, called Listen Then Speak. And uh, if you haven't listened to his podcast, you everyone that's listening now needs to go check it out. It is very good. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. How you doing, man? Good, man. It's good to talk to you again. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Oh, yeah. Let's get into it, man. Let's go. Yeah. So I, I wanted to start out, I wanted to borrow something from your podcast. You start every one of your episodes by asking a very cool question that I haven't heard any other podcast ask. You you ask everyone, what's your favorite genre of music, and how that how that genre has influenced how you approach business and how you how you deal with people. So, what's your favorite genre of music, and how has it affected how you how you roll? Ooh, taste of my own medicine. I love it. I'm gonna give you the genre, and then I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory. So, my favorite genre of music is classical, and I know just stereotypical wise, people look at me and say, "What for real?" Uh, but there's a story behind that. Um, I'm the youngest of four, but the two of us youngest are originally from Los Angeles, California. We came to Washington, D.C. in 89. And we lived initially before we got our own place. We lived with my granddad. And so, of course, uh, as a child, you go around the house just trying to find things to play with. And I found a little off-white radio, but the FM modulator did not work. So all the cool music we listened to in California, we could not get a hold of, me and my sister, and so all we had was the AM modulator, and the only station that worked was the classical music station. So as a five, six-year-old, this is what I'm listening to, and I just got a love for this thing. And I just found it, it made, obviously, you know, kiddos, we have a crazy imaginations. It made my imagination run wild, but it also helped me to think and to think deeper. And so it's informed the way I, you know, go about my careers. I mean, you know me pretty well, thinking deeper, going past the surface, getting still, not always needing to hear words because that can kind of throw me for a loop and throw me off, but actually leaning into what I'm hearing and what's the rhythm. That is so cool. I love that. I mean, I think there have been studies about classical music and jazz and how much they help people like process information while they're learning. So if you're trying to study jazz, is supposed to be pretty good and so is classical music because of, I think, because of how complex it is. I love it. And I love instrumental. That's so cool. So you're in such a unique role and with what you do with your consulting and what you bring to your podcast. Like you said, you cut right right to the meat of things and trying to help people that are dealing with, you know, personal experiences that are difficult or business situations that they need to learn from. You know, burnout is a very, very serious thing that people go through. And just the challenges of the business world now, post-pandemic, before it, it's a lot. So, what are you hoping to bring to people and change with your services? Because these are pretty unique services. When you're in the mental health field, you know, as a counselor or people say therapist or a coach, whatever like that, you can be a bit industry agnostic. And because of that, you have to differentiate yourself. And so I'm just going to be cut straight to the chase with you. Usually when a client's coming to me, all of us do client clarity. Anyone in business, if you're smart, you should get a clarity of like why the group of people are coming to you. 
And these are the words I hear. I've tried therapy, but the therapist didn't give me any actionable items, you know, in our sessions that actually helped me make progress. Or this one may hurt some feelings, but I tried better help and I found out you were a lot better. So one thing about obviously if this is your business, your bread and butter, I want to give each client the biggest bang for their buck and really tailor my services to their needs. You know, I'm not just here for the money. I mean, this is life transformation. So this is nothing to play with. And obviously, I live in Washington, D.C. This is one of the most affluent areas in the union. So you see a lot of successful business people, not just here, but globally. But they don't enjoy the revenue that they have because they don't have a place to carry the weight of what's going on inside of them. And when it comes to the company level as a consultancy, you think about the, the mid-level. And we've seen articles about this lately. I'm surprised that they're coming out. I'm like, look at that. They get held from the top, from the C-suite, and they get held from the bottom. And you have so many people, even as mid-level managers, that didn't want to be managers. And so how do I then manage myself and my own psychology and then manage direct reports? And how do I then manage people who are also once colleagues? That can be a lot to take and a lot to, to process. And so when this begins to happen, you think of this area within the corporate world. This is outside of the individual level where there's so much high turnover. You have all this institutional knowledge of some of the best in the business walking out the door. And we know from a business standpoint, that's what, six to $12,000 every time you onboard a new employee. So it's costing the organization. It's costing recruiters. I mean, it, it really is a cyclical issue, but also at the root of it, communication is at an all-time low because people don't understand the psychology behind what they think. They don't know how to advocate for themselves. They don't know how to communicate with their manager. Their manager may be afraid to know how to communicate with them, how to be both assertive and compassionate. And that's where I come in. Yeah. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about that a little bit in that people get into management and it's almost by mistake. That's not like people grow up going, I want to be a manager. You know, they have a skill. That skill isn't always portable to management. It's just that they were at the company. They've done a good job on teams. All of a sudden they're in management. And it really does take a completely different point of view. That's it. And if you think about even the most common tract of moving up through a company, it's to become a manager. But most people just want to be a SME. It's like, yo, I just want to be a subject matter expert who just does my job. And I'm kind of siloed in my little office or cubicle. And I'm like, nope, you need to manage direct reports. And it's like, whoa. Now what? And they need a place to take that. And I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. People are bringing in consultants or bringing in workshops and saying, let's do conflict resolution or let's do EQ. That's really cute. It's very quaint. EQ may show you how to deal with other people, but you're still not doing the self-awareness piece of understanding why you think the way you think, nor the subconscious level behind your habits. That's when you're going to have a whole lot of problems. That is so powerful. I mean, I think, you know, organizational skills, communication skills, all of it has value. But when you don't understand where you're coming from, you don't understand, if you don't have some read on what your root cause of your own behavior is, you can be pretty lost, can't you? That's the thing is you're lost and you don't even know it. And the hard part even about like marketing is that some people don't even understand their need until they hit a wall. How many times have you and I seen even within social media, even on LinkedIn, even in different places, maybe on Facebook and Instagram, oh, such and such has stepped out on his wife or her husband, such and such is stepping down. A lot of times when it comes to these things, people are waiting until they hit a wall or until crap hits the fan. It's like, oh, now I need to do something. These things could have been avoided had you taken that load and not just offloaded it through talk therapy, but actually found practical and applicable solutions to those issues. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge. I mean, you know, I'm a big believer in therapy. I think therapy is wonderful. I've done it for years. I have a great therapist. Um, and, you know, some people are afraid of therapy. Some people are afraid to even get into it. 
And then, then there's the gap that you describe where a therapist can really help you on certain progressions, getting to certain places, but that actionable stuff that you need to put into practice at work to help improve your own way is really difficult to get to sometimes. And even outside of work, I mean, you think about business owners and entrepreneurs. I have plenty of those, you know, as, as clients. It's like your business exposes who you are. You and I both know it's going to grow to the extent that you do. And if your thinking is already, if you're still in the habit and the pattern of who you were as a teenager or an early young adult, that's going to show up in the way that not only you do business, the way you do your taxes, the way you advocate for yourself, the way you overreach with clients, how you delegate, <laughs> how you build teams. It all is a cyclical effect that trickles down. I just had a vision of like an inner child just running rampant through a business, just smashing things and tipping over chairs. If you don't understand yourself and yet you're supposed to lead other people, you know, no one understands themselves perfectly. But if you don't have a good read on the things that are healthy and unhealthy about your own behavior and you haven't worked on that, it is pretty hard to be effective over time. The very mental cycles that we have that are, are not addressed will not be transformed. And if you think about trauma, trauma that is not transformed will be transmitted. We a lot of times transmit who we are and the very things we don't understand about ourselves and our very own trigger responses on to other people. And then we wonder, how did that door close in my face? Did you understand the psychology behind the way you're thinking? I think, you know, trauma that isn't transformed will be transferred is such an incredible thing to think about and to remember as you go through your work life. I mean, how many people have had an abusive manager or uh, how many people have then turned and all of a sudden taken it out on someone and you don't realize why you're doing it and you feel bad and all these things happen. The root cause of them was some trauma you had in your life that you never dealt with, you know? And so we're all like acting this stuff out on each other in these complex social situations at work. And it's not going to just get better from a certain, you know, one seminar on good communication. Stated perfectly, Steve. Therein lies the smokescreen. And you see it. I mean, obviously, in social media, with so much branding, you see that, oh, I was a part of a toxic workplace. And this is what happened in my past. And this is my toxic manager. And then you become the very thing that you are complaining about. Or you see someone who is, uh, especially, you know, with, with recruiters, they work so hard. Recruiters are, are just some of the most amazing souls. And it's such a thankless position, you know, and then they work so hard to build up, you know, sourcing these act these uh agencies with top talent you know they work so hard to build out talent acquisition they're doing everything they can do to please their manager but also their own clients and then they overwork and overwork and overreach until they burn out and the very reputation that they build as he or she is the best recruiter they tear down their own house with their hands because they didn't address why am i reaching in areas or maybe why am i taking longer with a client where i could have already hired because i don't understand what is the subconscious defense or even offense within me that's actually coming out in my work style. And not just that, my home life. I mean, it is so complex. It's hard to be human, isn't it? <laughs> you never lied. <laughs> it really is. It's a difficult challenge to be human, isn't it? So what, you know, you work with a lot of leaders and you help people try to get to the root cause of their own behavior. What's some kind of surprising things that you've learned about of being an effective manager or effective leader? I find that the path to effectiveness is one facing yourself down for who you are that's difficult because if you think about how defensive we can get when we just get feedback like say if i say hey steve i want some constructive criticism and then i began to capitulate when you kind of hit me with it i don't understand just like i tell clients sometimes i'm not saying this to harm you i say this to arm you 
that you are saying something to arm me, to actually build me up as I go forward. Um, many times we get defensive and we don't want to face ourselves down and take our armor off because our armor has been the thing that's protected us as little boys and little girls and teenagers. And so we wear that armor and we even wear it when we interact with content that kind of gets under our skin and say, okay, I need to work with that guy or girl, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to even deal with that. That's not true of me. And we wait until we hit that brick wall and some part of our lives is either scandalized or we're thinking about ending it all. And so I think for a leader, you know, know that when you lead, especially if you covet that leadership position, um, the best thing to do is prepare yourself to first understand why you show up the way you do and that your actions, the very things you say and you do, you're being watched. <laughs> uh, you're being watched by your staff. You're being watched, obviously, at home by your wife and kids or husband and, and children and family and community. And it's not like, oh, this big pressure thing. You want to have a place where you're accountable with someone where you can offload. I was told by a very wise man years ago, never carry anything alone. And we all lead with a limp if we're gut level honest. So make sure you have someone or someone else's that you're processing um, all the weight of leadership with because it's heavy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that whole lonely at the top, wherever the top is, you know, everyone's got their own top. Uh, you know, it's lonely when you're trying to be in charge of anything, whether you're pulling together a community group or you're trying to pull together a group of friends. You're putting yourself out there. There's a lot of risk to it. So, you know, the defensiveness that you feel if someone doesn't like the way you're doing it, the defensiveness they feel because you're trying to get them to do it a certain way, it's a really complex environment trying to get people to move forward together. So I think it, there's a lot of challenge there and there's a lot of fear there. And you had a post recently that I just loved that you shared on LinkedIn, and it was about fear. And it's about how fear is, affects people's productivity. And one of the things you talked about is there's like four ways that fear affects productivity. And I know it's probably in, there's more myriad ways that, do, that it does, but it was a cool way to go about it. So can we unpack that a little bit? Because I think people don't realize how powerful fear really is. You know, my, one of my favorite say, sayings is that fear is a liar. You know, not when a tiger is chasing you, but generally <laughs> your fear is kind of lying to you and keeping you down. You know, when the tiger's chasing you, it's real fear. Just run. Amen. But, you know. I mean, it, it can be pretty complex. And it, the the very thing about fear is that there is a good fear, like you just listed, you know, that, that fear that actually puts us in flight, you know, when we are in some danger. Um, but then there's a bad fear that actually positions us where we do tend to make our own glass ceiling without even knowing it. Uh, so I'll go through some of those manifestations. And I would say the first one, probably more than likely, is going to be procrastination. Um, and I call it the waiting to know everything before doing anything. Um, because it seems right. I mean, think about it, Steve. It's like, I don't want this to go wrong. I have the way I envision this. And, and most of us, when we haven't addressed our trauma, we're idealists. You know, it's like, ideally, this is the way I want this to turn out. And most procrastinators are type B personalities. They're pretty chill, pretty laid back, very amiable. They're the worst control freaks. <laughs> and that desire to control outcomes that you know nothing of will leave you in a quicksand of your own making. And so, you know, we avoid the very thing that we need to do because we can't, we don't see how we can control other people or even our own emotions in the midst of it. Yeah, or the outcomes. Yeah, or, or the, outcomes. the outcomes at all. So why not put it off? This wasn't listed in the carousel, but that that avoidance can often lead to some form of addiction. Um, 
I don't get too squirrely here, but let's just say a person, I mean, I, most people drink wine, but sometimes that's a little bit more than is helpful, <laughs> you know, or, or it could be an addiction of morality. You know, um, everyone knows, I mean, even the, let's say the most immoral person on the planet knows that pornography is wrong. You know, these things or overeating, you know, many of us in the professional realm take something that's socially acceptable. So we just eat emotionally. Like, let me avoid this feeling. So all in a while, we're destroying our body, destroying our brand, destroying our home life. And we're waiting on perfection. We're waiting for every duck to be in a row. And you're waiting on a reality with a, that will actually never happen. Yeah, procrastination can run really deep, can it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like not living, you know, because you don't want to make a decision because you're so afraid of making the wrong one. Yeah. But if you think about it, think about it, Steve. It has a root. You know, that procrastination, I know for me, my personal story, you know, coming from a childhood in a house that was very abusive, you know, if you don't, if you have one parent that you don't know how to read, you're going to find a way to please everyone in your path. Cause it's like, okay, I'm being rejected in the one place I should be the most comfortable. I'm not going to be rejected outside of here. So I'm going to try to go and stay five steps ahead of everyone around me. And that can produce a lot of procrastination because your mind is at a thousand when it should be at 50. I am Jamal Marshall, a human being. I'm not Dr. Strange. I can't sit here and look at a thousand outcomes at yeah, one right. time before making a decision. That's, yeah, that's deep. That's amazing. So one of the other, I think we could just have this entire episode be about procrastination, by the way, because it's so powerful. I could talk to you about this all day. Right. The other one that you mentioned was distraction, how it's a little related to procrastination, but how by not focusing on the fear, it's almost like not acknowledging it. You're not even putting it off. So can you talk about that one a little bit? Because I think that surprises people that's manifestation of fear as well. The very thing you focus on the most that's going to be where your energy flows. And so when we're focused on all the outcomes that we cannot control, we are actually multiply distracted. And that distraction actually causes us to, you wonder why you've had three cups of coffee and you're still tired. Because mentally, your mind is the epicenter of your body. You're worn out. If your mind is going a thousand miles per hour with all these different outcomes, and you're, you're finding numbing coping uh, mechanisms uh, to cope with how with all these outcomes, you're going to distract yourself and then you're going to lack in productivity. Your productivity is an all-time low because you're actually trying to keep yourself in survival mode. And that's the thing about people who are very much distracted. They don't even realize they're not thriving. They're surviving. But the mind is telling itself, no, you're doing a good thing. It's almost like a misplaced fight or flight. You're sort of like trying to fly away and fight at the same time, but you're sitting in one spot just doing mental gymnastics, trying to protect yourself. It's crazy, you know, how much energy we put out. And of course you'd feel exhausted because you're putting out all this energy trying to protect yourself from fictional outcomes, really. I love the way you said that, fictional outcomes. The the mind of the person that's, that's distracted, they have already perceived and come up with so many scenarios in their head. And then they've already gone to, to an outlet to try to distract themselves from all of these perceived outlets. And then they stay in that place, but they feel, at least they feel safe. Yeah, right. It is a perceived safety. Yeah, it is perceived safety. So one of the others, we won't spend a ton of time on fear. I just think it's fascinating to talk to you about this. But this all kind of comes back to what you help people with is, you know, when people are experiencing these kind of things, they get to burnout. And, you know, that's a very serious place to be. And I think people get there and they end up getting a little out of it and going back. And they experience paralysis and all these things happen to them. So that's a difficult place to be. And I feel like people throw that word out. Like, it's like, oh, I'm burned out. Well, no, you're not. You know, when you're really experiencing burnout, that's a thing. And I know you help people with that. So can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I love how you call out that it's a buzzword. 
<laughs> yeah, it is a buzzword. It's like so overused. Like I'm burned out because I had a hard day. It's not burnout. No, you you are burned out when you literally have exhausted every mental avenue and you're you're stockpiling unhealthy habits. And those habits have actually gotten you into a weak spot, both spiritually, mentally, and physically. Um, your your burnout could be connected to some sort of addiction. It also could be connected to depression. Um, because if anytime there's an addiction or unhealthy pattern of thinking, there's going to be depression on the heels of that, you know. And it, I, I don't want to use the D word very lightly because some of it is clinical. Some of it could just be more of a, a mental sort of physical depression. But depression means you're pressed down. So, again, you're not rising to the occasion. Um, and then you'll find out it's difficult. You know, it's not oh, I'm burned out because I had a hard day. It's not just difficult to get up. It's difficult to find the motivation to do the very task at hand. And I use the word motivation and passion very lightly because we know as entrepreneurs, we don't want to do this every day. You know, we have a why that pushes us past the passion and motivation. But your why doesn't even matter then. The only thing that matters to you in that moment when you're burnt out is actually numbing that pain, which actually starts that cycle. And then that be, that can lead to isolation and avoidance because you start to lack. And I don't want to use the C word because everyone's a confidence coach these days, but you start you start to grow in that insecurity. Everyone's saying, oh, I'm an introvert. Maybe you're just insecure because there's some things you haven't dealt with. Now, I'm not saying introversion and extroversion and ambiversion aren't real things. Um, but I think that word's getting thrown around and people aren't really examining the root of what that really means. And they also aren't examining themselves and like what's really going on inside of them. Yeah, man, that's the power of language right there. Like well, as soon as we get a shorthand for something, whether it's introvert, extrovert, burnout, we tend to like use it at our convenience instead of really think about what it actually means and how many, like you say the word introvert, everyone's got a, a picture or you say the word burnout. The problem is there's about a thousand variations inside that word of behavior. So of any of those words. So it's just very complex. You know, I think that we'll just nickname this episode being human is super hard. <laughs> Steve, I love the way you're calling out like all the buzzwords and, and all the BS and, um, those who have taken the journey with me on LinkedIn for a while, they know my main hashtag is let's get into it. And, you know, we get into it, we go beneath the surface. There's so much surface level rhetoric, so much surface level cycle babble. Um, and some of it earns a lot of money, but it's not helpful and doesn't get results. Yeah. It doesn't really truly help people, you know, and, and it's hard to really truly help people. It's complex because people have to want to help, help for real. And, it's a continuum. Some people are going to be helped more than others, but that that whole attitude you have of let's get into it and how real you are in your content and talking to you, you know, you've been through a lot. You've also helped people through a lot. You've worked in things that none of us like to talk about. You've worked and helped people that have dealt with suicide, that have dealt with grief and death and dying and all these things. So I think I really appreciate having been through a bunch of stuff in my life. I really appreciate your impatience with the service level sort of like easy table stakes, you know, psycho armchair psychoanalysis that people do and sell. I, I appreciate that because, you know, sometimes maybe platitudes can be helpful and they can help us get somewhere and learn a little something. But a lot of times not trying to get to the root of something doesn't do anyone any good. No, it, and a lot of it, if you if you examine it, which most of us, when we're in a rush in our everyday life, we don't examine sometimes what we're hearing. Uh, you can position yourself where you waste a lot of revenue and time working with the wrong person. 
Um, and so even part of that, you know, whereas you know me pretty well, I'm pretty much an agent of grace, a gentle guy, but that's where I go contrarian because I get so sick of the ambiguity because ambiguous rhetoric and even ambiguous marketing is going to give you ambiguous results. I really appreciate that you're about the quality. You're about having that real effect. I think that's really cool, man. So what's a piece of advice that you've been given that's really stuck with you, that kind of helps you move through your what you do and how you help people? This is going to sound really simple and really trite, but I want everyone under the sound of our voices to hear this. The way up is down. Humility is the key. Um, and when I say down, I, I want to be very, not so simplistic, but let's open that up. Ask for help when you need it. Um, whether you're a manager, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a coach, counselor yourself, whatever position you may find yourself in, don't carry anything alone and be teachable. Uh, and that's something that I have to practice and come back to daily in my life. Jamal, the way up is down. Um, and it even affects the way you delegate. I mean, you're in business. So I know it's like we there are things we're great at, things we're created for, and there are things we're rubbish at. <laughs> I, I can tell you quickly, I am not a podcast producer. I had somebody a while ago come on a, a clarity call and they were like really excited to meet with me. And it was about producing a podcast. I was like, I host a podcast, <laughs> but the production. I don't know how to put it together. Yeah. You met, you met Riley at the beginning of this and I know he's, he's producing this and listening in. I, if I had to do Riley's job, we would be in very, very big trouble. Let me tell you, if I had to do the job of pod fixer and also worked with a company called Podify, we would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is I think when people, you know, that's the thing I think managers need to understand. Every good manager I've ever had, every time I've done a good job at it, it comes from a place of humility. Just because you ended up being in charge of something does not mean you're important or you're more important than others. Like nine times out of 10, a job of a leader is to just try to help the people that are actually doing the work and get the heck out of the way. And I think there's so many people that it just becomes about them. And every, as soon as it's about you, you're done. Darren goes back to that control and that, you know, we hear the word a lot. It almost gets overused, but that micromanaging, it's a real thing. But before you start micromanaging others, you're already micromanaging yourself, which is producing the paralysis, the procrastination, the distractions, uh, potentially the private addictions, um, because you're already micromanaging and, and trying to perfect that which may even be normal, that which may be acceptable. But if you haven't accepted you and haven't dealt with even that fear of rejection or some of those things that were handed to you that you believed, you project that on other people. So true, man. And then also, like, it's real hard to, to help other people, to let them do their work if you're afraid of being wrong. Because how can you trust people when you're afraid? It's kind of impossible. Steve, this will be a whole nother podcast if I told you yeah. having in the past worked <laughs> yeah, under yeah. a narcissist. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's well, I, we've both been there. <laughs> I know. We should do like a narcissist episode. We should do like a survivor of narcissists episode because I think we've both been there. We've talked Bro. about that a little bit. Maybe we'll come back oh, and talk yeah. about that next time. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of other people have been there too. Narcissists can do a ton of damage. So let me ask you this. You've been you you've got your hands on a lot of things. Your company's really growing. Your podcast is really cool. What's been the highlight of this past year for you? Oh man. Um I would say the highlight of this past year for me was one doing the accelerator, you know, with LinkedIn. And that was kind of like outside my company. Um, but it also it it had to do with my brand. And so being able to create 
and sit on that team with Dan Roth and, and Callie Schweitzer and, and Xander Van Gogh and just some of the amazing people at LinkedIn. It was just fun to see, like, this is why we create. I mean, I've always kind of painted outside the lines. And so it was wonderful to come into that and still bring everything that I was. It's like you think about, you know, my trauma pretty well. You know, for the longest time I was told, don't be me. You know, but don't be so so quiet. Don't be so timid or maybe don't be too loud. And even at times when I was in a place that was culturally ignorant, don't be too black. And to come on the, the team with LinkedIn and, and get paid a lot of money under a contract just to be me. That was one of the highlights uh, of the year. It's nothing like being yourself because it's so freeing. But then to earn a lot of revenue in the process, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really reinforcing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Good for you, man. We had I had Callie. I know Callie, and she was on our podcast as a guest. And Callie is an amazing person. She she's brilliant, you know. So I think it's so cool that you've worked with them, and you know you've added a lot of value. And I think that's amazing. So that's really cool. What do you got coming up? What's a what's on the horizon for you right now? One thing I'm excited about is that we're completely giving listenandspeak.com a facelift. You know, for the first year or so, it was like the website of the cool podcaster, Jamal, who just is putting, you know, content out there. Now it's the website of the counselor, the consultant, the public speaker, the podcaster. So it's really it is a lead magnet. So transforming that, I'm excited for, for that. Um, also have some ebooks coming out through Tiger Hall. Um, and those are a lot of the things we've talked about in this conversation. Everything coming out through Tiger Hall and the content on that app is reinforcing, um, not just on an individual level, but also a corporate level, like how you deal with managers, how do you come in and advocate for yourself on a job? How, if you were told you'd be working 50 hours, you're working 80 hours now, how do you then position yourself for success without getting fired? All those fears that come in with that, how do managers then manage a team and get assertive to move the needle forward, but at the same time, be compassionate so they're not losing staff, you know, and what's the psychology behind that? So super excited for that content to drop. Man, I think that's so cool. I think you're adding a lot of value in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I hope it continues to grow for you because it's definitely, it's been taking off for you for a while now and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think I just wish you the most continued success with that. So I'll be looking for those eBooks and then we'll also put a link to your site in the, uh, we'll, we'll put up a landing page for your episode and, you know, put out some content about this episode and we'll also put a link to your site so people can check out your stuff and your podcast. So last question, if you could give your younger self a message, because I know you didn't get here the easy way. Like if you could give your younger self a message, what would it be? I would say uh, young man, this is all I have got a purpose one day. It doesn't make sense now. I know you're hurting. I know you think every other guy out there has some X factor that you don't. And I know there's a lot of places that you don't fit in. All of that's for a reason. You don't fit in with the crowd so that you can touch the globe. Be encouraged and keep going, man. Man, that's beautiful. That's great. Well, I can't think of a better night, note to end on than that. So I, I'll encourage everyone that's listening uh, and anyone that sees this content to go and check out Listen Then Speak, the podcast and the site, and see what Jamal is into. You know, look for those ebooks. And uh, man, just keep up the good work. You're doing incredible stuff. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was a blast. Steve, thanks for having me. You made it easy, bro. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story. Brand Story.